what is a disciple? What is a disciple? And I looked that up and the definition is a name given to the followers of any teacher. A name given to the followers of any teacher. So I want to look at this in a couple of different ways. First, I want to look at uh, an example of discipleship from a secular uh, point of view. And I want to talk about Socrates and Plato. Now, Plato was a student or disciple of Socrates. Uh, Socrates was about 400 years before Jesus. And Socrates was kind of an out-of-the-box thinker. He uh, questioned the status quo. His big thing was to (coughs) question things, just not take things at at, uh, face value, to dig in underneath and ask questions. And people didn't like that, so he ended up being executed. I think they gave him a dose of hemlock uh, to get rid of him. One of his best students, or probably his best student, was Plato. And Plato documented a series of discussions that Socrates had with some of his other followers. And the teaching of Socrates, although he was killed, he was executed, lives on uh, in what's called the Platonic Dialogues. And uh, Socrates, he he didn't document anything. He, he taught, but he didn't write things down. And so with Plato's recordings of Socrates' teachings, his philosophies lived on for posterity. Yeah. Um, Plato passed on his, his uh, philosophies and Socrates' philosophies to another uh, philosopher called Aristotle. Yeah. So you have Socrates and his disciples or his followers. Plato taking the teachings of Socrates and making them live on. Okay? And then Aristotle taking the batons, if you will, from uh, Plato and teaching others. That's a secular uh, example of discipleship. Let's look at a religious example. Saul, who later became Paul. uh, The scriptures tell us that he stundered under a man named Gamaliel. Now Gamaliel was a leading authority in the Sanhedrin. He was uh, a lawyer. We call him a Pharisee doctor of the law. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 34, but a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people. So the scriptures tell us that Gamaliel was a respected teacher uh, in the council, in the Sanhedrin. Looking down at Acts chapter 22 and verse 3, This is Paul speaking about himself. He says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, 
in Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, educated strictly according to our ancestral law, being zealous for God, just as all of you are zealous today. So Paul was a disciple of Gamaliel, like Aristotle was a disciple of Socrates through Plato. What they did was study with these certain individuals and carry on the teachings and bring about the teachings to, to other people. So like I said, these are examples of secular and religious examples. Another uh, word for discipleship, more in modern terms you might say, is a kind of a mentor relationship. You might mentor somebody. Maybe some of you have that relationship at your job or in other situations where you're helping someone else understand the ropes, so to speak. Uh, this is the essence of discipleship, okay, and the disciple and teacher relationship. So, why are we here this morning? Well, hopefully here because we're followers or potential followers of Jesus. So, that means that we're his disciples or potentially his disciples. And Jesus wants to mentor us. God wants to mentor us. He wants to teach us and he wants to instruct us. He wants to disciple us. Okay. Now Proverbs was written for the purpose of giving wisdom, instruction, understanding, and insight. That's what it says in chapter one, the first two verses of Proverbs. For the purpose of giving wisdom, instruction, understanding, and insight. And in the first chapter, verse 23, it reads, give heed to my reproof. When he speaks of reproof here, he says, give heed when I'm trying to correct you. Okay. Give heed to my reproof, and I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make my words known to you. So it's kind of obvious, at least to me, from this uh, passage of scripture, that God wants us to be among his disciples. He wants to disciple us in his ways, his ways of uh, wisdom. He wants to instruct us. He wants us to understand. He wants to give us insight. You can turn to Matthew. Chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What jumps out to me here is, he says, you will find rest for your souls. 
He doesn't necessarily say that you'll find rest in your human existence, but you'll find rest for your souls. And then look at the qualities here. The qualities expressed in this text about Jesus, gentleness, humbleness. These are qualities that he wants to instill in us. Yeah. Gentleness, humbleness. But in order for him to instill those qualities in us, we have to accept them. We have to be open. We have to be willing. Okay? That's part of discipleship. That's part of being disciple, being willing, being open. Okay? Now, like a multifaceted diamond, there are many dimensions to the way that Jesus, the way that God disciples us. We're going to turn to uh, John chapter 14. Like I said, there are many ways in which God wants to disciple us. He sent Jesus to earth. And Jesus was a face-to-face, in-the-flesh teacher uh, for those people. It couldn't be denied. Okay? He was in the flesh, like Socrates was in the flesh, like Gamaliel was in the flesh. There was no mystery there. He was a living, breathing, walking example of what God wanted to teach us. But in John chapter 14, verse 26, it says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in Jesus' name, will teach you everything and remind you all that I have said to you. Then moving on to John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, God sent Jesus. He was a teacher in the flesh. Scripture says he went through everything, experienced everything that we experience. Because if he didn't, he wouldn't really be an authentic teacher, will he? But he did. He walked with men. Men saw him. Men could witness that, yeah, there was this man, Jesus. Okay? But Jesus, you know, the human form wasn't going to live forever. Like, we don't live forever. He was sacrificed. He was killed. So God sends the Holy Spirit, the advocate. Okay? And he disciples us in that way as well. Now, the Holy Spirit, um, how do I put this? Sometimes, if you're, if you're a newbie Christian and you're excited and uh, you might think that, well, I'm baptized now, and where's the Holy Spirit? Okay. Where's this? 
thunder from the sky or something magical is going to come and happen and just change me like that. Um, the scripture doesn't describe the Holy Spirit in that way. It's not this kind of thing that's going to come and just change you instantaneously. How does the scripture describe the Holy Spirit? Like the wind, doesn't it? Something elusive, like the wind. Something subtle, like the wind. Something that is there to help us, that's effective, that affects us. But something we have to be open to, something we have to look and strive and seek out. Okay. We have to have a, a, a dialogue with God, with the Holy Spirit. We have to be participatory in our discipleship. In Acts chapter 6, verse 4, talks about devotion to prayer. That's on us. That's something that we have to be involved in. Okay. Timothy, chapter 4, verse 13. It talks about attention to reading the scriptures. So we have to be devoted to prayer. We have to give attention to reading the scriptures, reading God's word. We have to be a participant in our discipleship. We have to be like Plato, who listened to Socrates and wrote down, he's meticulous in writing down the teachings of Socrates. And so they were passed on. We have to be like that. But prayer is how God is going to guide us, okay? It's not all about us, it's not what we're going to do. But it's a dialogue with God, and that's how he guides us. And the Holy Scripture, reading the Scripture, is the information that God wants us to have, okay? And then we talked about the Advocate, the Holy Spirit. It's gonna help us understand those things. I mean, it helped, and, and it can help us in our understanding in a lot of different ways. I mean, if you're in a place and where we are here, there's uh, several, both male and female, here in this congregation that are very knowledgeable of the scriptures. And if you don't understand it, there's probably someone here that can help you understand it. If you're open to teaching, okay? And to me, that's how the Holy Spirit guides us. It's kind of a subtle thing. Sometimes you might be reading yourself, meditating on the scriptures yourself, and you don't get it. But then you might go back maybe you know, a week, a month later, or it might be in a class and somebody, and all of a sudden, oh man, I, I get it. I understand that, okay? That, that, that's the Holy Spirit working. You, know, you can take it in another direction where 
you don't get it, and then you throw up your hand and say, well, you know, I don't get this. I don't even want to be bothered, okay? And that's grieving the Spirit. The Spirit's not going to help you. It can't help you if you're not open in that way. So like I said, we have to participate in our own discipleship. Our discipleship isn't accomplished in a vacuum. I mean, a doctor goes to law school, practices medicine. He just doesn't sit in a laboratory by himself. You don't become a doctor that way. Okay? A lawyer goes to law school, studies law. Okay? And I've always thought that the, the scriptures of the Bible were pretty close to, in a way, kind of analogy of like law school. Because you're studying a whole bunch of stuff. A lot, some of it, a lot of it's law. It's God's law, okay? That you put into practice that you help other people understand. Okay, and that's essentially what the legal system's about. Okay. Of course, an artist studies their art and makes art. Okay. You just don't wait to be struck by lightning and oh, well I can draw a picture and now I'm going to make this sculpture, you know. You have to, there's a give and take, you have to be participatory, I'll get it, <laughs> participatory in, in the work, okay. So for things to come to fruition, there has to be interaction, there has to be involvement. Prayer and study are imperative, like with anything that you want to learn. Study at least. With spiritual things, prayer is imperative. And there are other attributes. We read about some of the attributes that, that Jesus had, being humble. Okay. And we're trying to cultivate those attributes ourselves. So we have access to them when we need them. One of the attributes we're going to need if we're going to grow as a disciple, if we're going to be able to, as a result of our growth, to pass things on to others, is listening. And that's hard sometimes, right? And sometimes it isn't. Some people are very good listeners. Okay? Listening. I just mean hearing. So a lot of times we hear the noise that goes on around us. But listening to someone, allow yourself to hear what's being taught. Okay? Not being resistant. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to accept everything. I mean, you should, you should, you should question things. Ask questions and go study it for yourself, you know? But at least allow yourself to hear what's being taught, then make your judgment from there. Okay? Another thing, another attribute would be something I call like a willful intentionality. And that's to be determined, is how I see it anyways, to be determined not to get sidetracked by life stuff because there's a lot of stuff out there. Right, the sidetrack us, you know? 
and a lot of times you can, you know, all the best of intentions, uh, want to do the right thing, you know, wanting to, to study, want to pray, then you get sidetracked by things. Something might upset you, and you're not thinking about praying. But that's what God wants us, how he wants us to be. When you get upset by those things, well, the first thing you, he wants us to do is think about praying. But we're kind of like, at least me sometimes, the opposite. You get upset, you know, you're thinking about praying. You know, you're thinking about how I'm going to work this thing out or on your own. Okay. So you have to have this willful intentionality to be determined the goal. I and mean, Paul talks about the goal. You know, like an athlete, okay, like an artist. You know, we look at some of these these people that uh, in pop culture that make millions and millions of dollars, singing songs and writing songs and things like that. And you think that, well, you know, they're gifted. I read a couple of biographies about some of these people. And yeah, they, they have a gift, but a lot of times their gift is not any more than what you might have. The thing of it is, they're very determined. Some of the things that they go through to get to where they want to go. Like living in a hovel of a room or an apartment eating cornflakes. You guys were talking this morning about beans, cornflakes and beans and things like that to get by. They want to spend their money. Okay, or they didn't have any money because they were trying to develop their art. Okay, that's a willful intentionality, and we need that. Okay, at least that mindset. I'm not saying that we need to be sitting in a cold water flat eating cornflakes every day, but we need to to have that kind of that, that kind of mindset. Okay, um, read the Holy Scripture with your mind with your heart and with your spirit. Then there's humbleness. That was mentioned a couple times this morning. Uh, what's humbleness? Uh, you mentioned in your prayer this morning. It's a constant uh, attitude of repentance. You know, you want to change for the better. If you're wrong, you don't want to sit stubbornly and continue to be wrong because, you know, I want to be right. And I don't care if I'm wrong, I'm right. You know, if you're humble, you accept that, you know, you make mistakes and other people make mistakes and you move on. Okay. Then there's faith. There's two kinds of faith. At least that I know of. There's active faith. <clears throat> That's trusting and having faith. Then there's passive faith, and that's being trustworthy, being faithful. So you want to, you know, develop your faith. And then there's hope. And I, I heard a, a description of, of, of hope. We've talked about it, what, what is hope and the difference between hope and faith. And I heard a, a description that I liked it. Hope is faith holding out its hand in the dark. So you want to, you know, have hope and faith. 
And this is the example in Acts 19, uh, verse 9 and 10. The implication is that you want to pass on what you've learned and what you understand to others. You were a disciple. You'll probably always be a disciple. You're never going to learn everything and understand everything that's in the scriptures. But you're going to understand some things. And you're going to probably understand something that's really good. Josh in certain areas and the same goes you know with me and Blake so what you know and what you understand you need to disciple other people you can do this in a number of different ways teaching a formal class casual conversation just by the example in which way you live okay? but you want to pass that on and the disciple of Jesus is more than just believing. Because then the scriptures say that I mean, demons believe, right? So they're not disciples. So if you're going to be a disciple, it's more than more than just believing. Okay, I mean that's a start. And I'm not I'm not knocking it and saying, you know, I mean, that's the first step. But there's more. Um, there's a dedication, there's a discipline, and that's kind of the disciple comes from that root word. Discipline, they kind of come from the same. Uh, a pursuit of purposes that God has for us. Um, and I talk about this a lot. Not mere external conformity, uh, but it has to be, I use the word reformation of our inner inner being, not just something that's external. And this is pointed out in Psalms. You want to turn to Psalms uh, chapter 51, or the 51st Psalm, in verse 6. That God desires truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret hearts. The inward being in my secret hearts. And moving down to verse 10. Creating me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 16. So we do not lose heart, even though our outer nature is wasting away. Our inner nature is being renewed day by day. So on the outside, we're getting older. Even though, I mean, if you, you know, you're 25, 26 years old, it's kind of like, yeah. I, I, I tell Paula, I remember before I met her, when I was 21 years old, 20 years old, and a friend of a friend of mine, that, that friend of hers was, what, 28, 
and I thought that was all of them. <laughs> she's 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 old. <laughs> she's twenty eight. She's almost thirty years old. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're getting older slowly. Uh, as you were saying the other day, the cycle of life there, and we're wasting away physically. Okay, but our inner nature should be if we're doing the things we need to do. We're being renewed, as scripture says, day by day. In Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 5, it says, let the same mind be in you. It doesn't say be around you or close to you. It says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And that mind, when I speak of mind, and this is how I see it, I mean, some of you might know different or know better, but when I, when I, when it talks about mind, I think that's synonymous with your spirit and with your heart. When it talks about your heart, clean heart, and clean mind, you know, mind, spirit. Heart, kind of synonymous. So, unlike secular Socrates and his disciples or academic religious uh, mentoring, Gamaliel mentoring Paul, because Plato and Aristotle deviated from Socrates. They didn't really stay lockstep, I don't believe. They didn't stay lockstep in what Socrates taught. They kind of deviated, started making up their own stuff based on Socrates' teaching. Okay, basically started maybe their own school. And that's, that's where that, that turn of the phrase school of thought uh, comes from. And Paul, as we know from scripture, or I should say Saul, as we know from scripture, became Paul when he found a better way. Okay, so secular discipleship and just kind of academic religious discipleship are different than true discipleship and spiritual discipleship with Jesus, with God. Um, it's unlike other disciple-teacher relationships. Our kinship with God is for the ages and beyond. And it speaks of that in uh, Matthew and I'm going to end Matthew 28, verse 20. And it says, And remember, I am with you always until the end of the age. Um, that's all I have this morning. Hope it's been edifying for you. Um,